0: and last week especially i appreciated the the team that went over to brazil uh, austin kind of got into the line and i think all of them did but austin specifically got into the line i think the lord's pushing me towards and as a church is that i for weeks i, I thought man we think about god on sunday but we need to pay attention to him more during the week and i've personally been working on that and and austin kind of shared that, how the Lord really opened his eyes up, that that's an important thing. And and I got to thinking, you know, uh, we do it because it, it benefits us too. Uh, just like the song that we sang, man, Jesus is name above all names. Uh, Jesus is that complete package. And and we just don't think about him during the week for lift service. We think about him during the week because it will will... Complete us if you will and and it'll bring us to where God wants us to be and and that's where I believe the Lord's uh, taken us as a church that in these last days I want to be that complete uh, church in Christ. Uh, I want to be that that church that that when we sing about Christ we mean what we're singing and and we bring that complete package and and that's what Austin was talking about bringing that complete package every day of the week in our personal lives, but I want to bring that complete package every day in our church life. And, and I want to be that church where people can go and hear the complete package and how that they can be ministered to. And, and, and I think the Lord keeps hitting me more and more on that, that part about grace and truth. I preached, I think, to kick off this year or even last year, it's been a while, but, but I can't shake the grace and truth We need that complete package in our relationship with Jesus personally, but we need that complete package in our relationship with uh, others in this church and each other in this church. Uh, I'm going to read to you today um, from uh, probably John 8 and also Matthew 18. Um, I'm going to have John 8 on the screen behind me, but, but... I've been talking to staff about it and Jim about it for the last few weeks, but I believe in the last days we're seeing two types of churches. And, and anyway, I think I'm seeing that more and more and more. And, and, and what I'm seeing is a church that is a complete package. Then I see a church over here that, that's operating in half of what God's called them to do. They're not operating in the full package and anyway, uh, somebody in this church has sent me an email that, that even confirmed what we'd been talking about as a church body. And and I wanted to read from John 8, uh, 1 through 11, because I think these two types of churches are pulling from this scripture and 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 to, to be the churches that they want to be. And I'll get into that a little bit more, but, but, but really... I think there's probably three types of churches the more I think about it. Because we have a church that operates on the far left left, that we might call liberal church. We have churches that operate on the far right that that we may call judgmental or holy or now church. But the complete church is the one that, that brings all the truths of Christ together in a balance and ministers to the needs of the people. And so we see this in this scripture, and I want to just read it to you today, but John 8, 1 through 11, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, early in the morning he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in their midst, they said to him, "'Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery.'" Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger in the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. So that's the grace part. You know, Jesus is making them think here a little bit. But when they heard it, they, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with a woman standing before him. Verse 10, and Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And then verse 11, she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin No more. And, and this is a scripture that, that I could see these truths in and that, that there's two types of truth here. There's the grace truth when Jesus said, uh, uh, had they condemned you? No. So that's the grace part. You know, they didn't condemn her. That was a grace. But Jesus then said, neither do I go and so sin no more. That's the truth part. But I see churches just focusing on one or the other instead of both. And that's where the Lord's been beating on me. I think that there are really three types of churches in the last day, or actually we'll say two types of churches in the last day. We have the extreme left, we have the extreme right, and, and they emphasize certain part of the scripture, but I want to be the church that, 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 that is centered on Christ in the complete package, if you will. I don't want it to be the church that says, oh, you just do what you want. No one condemns you because that's not going to help anybody. But also don't want to be the church that is so critical and judgmental that they don't have enough grace to forgive and and let people grow in their faith. I want to be that church in the middle where Christ said, uh, neither do I condemn you. Go and now sin no more. I want to be that church that brings healing into a situation because if, if we focus on just the, the grace part, there's no deliverance and, and the captives still captives. But if we focus on the, the, just the, the harsh, tough part, there's no grace for them to grow into who God's called them to be. And so we need to be that church that, that brings in the full gospel The full promises of God so that we can minister to these needs. Now, you may not understand what I'm saying yet. So let's just use the adulterous woman. Okay? Grace alone wouldn't have brought healing completely to her life. What if she went home, Jesus said, hey, you're good. I don't condemn you. You're you're good. I see you. I feel you. And she goes home and the, the lady goes to her husband and, and she's still working and operating in uh, adultery. And the husband looks at her and goes, what's going on with you? And, and she goes, well, I've been forgiven. Jesus, grace covers me. I didn't to fix their marriage. If she continues to operate in adultery, they're not gonna be happy there. But, but if she goes home and, and, and in condemnation, and doesn't operate in the grace, it doesn't bring completion either. And what's going to bring happiness happiness to this marriage is when the gal repents of adultery and goes and sins no more, receives the deliverance so that Christ can come in and bring healing to the marriage. And that's where I think our churches are at nowadays. They they don't want to ask the, the people to change. They don't want to say, okay, you know, there, yeah, there's grace here, but, but sin no more. The sin's the problem. And we don't want to speak to that. And so what we do is we try to browbeat them. You got to do this, you got to do that, and there's no grace, and, and, and they don't come into it. Another example I thought of to, is the drug addict. Deal with that a lot with different ones. When they come to me, yes, they want the grace of God. They want the love of God. They want God in their life and in their presence. But they also want to be delivered from their drugs. They're tired of that lifestyle. They don't want to go to a church that says, oh, you're good. Just do the best you can. God loves you. Continue to do your drugs. You're okay. No, they're wanting help. That's why they came. And so we need to be that church that comes in and says, yes, God loves you, God cares for you, but let's get deliverance from this so that you can be complete in Jesus Christ, so that you can be satisfied. You know, we even think about unruly kids. Grace will help us with unruly kids. I'm sure my mom cried out to God and said, hey, Father God, I need grace. I need grace to deal with these ornery brats. But she found out real quick, there needed to be a little bit more, go and sin no more. And my mom would have been miserable raising three boys if she just totally operated in grace, if she didn't deal with a situation that was causing the problem. You with me today? So why do churches want to say, oh, Heather, you're doing so awesome. We'll be praying for you. Why can't we speak the truth as well? Why can't we speak the grace into people's lives? I even got to thinking about this. What about politics? The F emphasizes, the left emphasizes welfare and grace for all people. Man, I'm going to get my college education paid for. Thank God for grace. Biden sent me another email that I don't qualify for. And then the radical right go and they say, you sin no more. Man, we're going to go this hard line. We're going to take this hard road. You know, I I like President Trump, but he focuses on self. And he focuses on making just America great when God has called us to not only be good in him, but to help others be good in him. I want that complete package. Package. What if we had a president that went in there and believed in a complete gospel that would physically help people get off welfare and get into a job and a successful life? Even on the borders, we've had both parties, the extreme left and extreme right, have tried to fix the borders and, and tried to fix all that and we're still in the same place. What if we had a president that was full of God's word that believed in the full gospel and they would fix the border. They would set up a process with grace and truth and put Jesus in the center of it. It would change things. Are you, are you with me today? Are you seeing what I'm talking about? You know, we could even talk about it in denominations. You know, the, we left the, the UMC, United Methodist Church, because they just wanted to operate fully in grace. I got you. You're good where you're at, man. We'll just do this together. And, and then you have on the other side, we wanted to operate in the truth. And so we got out and I hope that we are centering in on grace and truth. On the full package of who God is to bring healing to those that are in sin. To bring healing to those that need Jesus. What's funny is John Wesley predicted the churches would be struggling with this in the last day, and specifically the Methodist churches. You know, he died several hundred years ago, or a hundred and some years ago. But he said, my fear is not that our great movement, known as the Methodist, will eventually cease to exist or one day die from the earth. My fear is that our people will become content to live without the fire the power and the excitement, the supernatural element that makes us so great. In other words, the full package. That was Wesley's fear. He, he didn't care about the denomination. He, he was cared about us losing the fire, the power, the excitement, and the supernatural natural element, meaning whenever you see somebody delivered by the grace of God and set free from sin, man, there's nothing not like it in the world. To see God come in and change the situation, but when we handcuff the Holy Spirit in our life and say we're going to accept, just it's okay, it's okay, or we're going to go to the extreme right and just be critical and judgmental, man, we bind the Holy Spirit. Appreciated Sunday school this morning. They were talking about how we need to be watchmen, watchmen for the gospel. And one of the scriptures they shared today was Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Paul knew the power in the gospel. You know that power that Paul wouldn't even have had to die for the faith. He could have pulled the Roman citizenship card, but he believed in the full power of the gospel, and so he went to his deathbed defending it. He wasn't ashamed of it, and nor should we be ashamed of the full package that that God can come in and change our lives. Let's go to Matthew 18, and it's lengthy. So I'm just going to refer to it, so you can put your finger in Matthew 18, if you want there. Matthew 18, the disciples, and I believe, again, that this is a complete gospel, but the disciples were asking that big question, who's the greatest in the kingdom of God? Of course, they all wanted to be that individual one that was the greatest, but Jesus quickly said in verse 1, or after the question in verse 1, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus answered in Matthew eighteen three, unless you turn and become like little children, your King James Version will say convert to be like little children. None of us will know. But what he was saying was, if you would convert convert into Christianity, become like Christ, the complete package, that's the greatest in the kingdom of God. To turn or to convert means be humble, friendly, dependent, weak, teachable, and willing to trust the heavenly father. This conversion is not a a single act of sorrow or regret, but an all-embracing attitude of Christ. And it's important that we totally embrace this because it's our human nature to fall the way of this world and and eventually get us into death. So Christ was saying there needs to be a complete turning. There needs to be a complete package, if you will, a, a complete conversion into the personality of who Christ is. That Christ came in what? Grace and in truth, John 1 tells us. And we need to be humble, friendly, dependent, weak, teachable, and willing to trust Christ in all things. And Christ wants that full conversion, that full relationship, which involves changes in areas of relationships, habits, commitments, pleasures, and just our whole view of life. That's what saving faith is. And we were talking about that in Sunday school today. But saving faith is just a complete humility, humbling ourselves before Jesus and saying, fill me completely with who you are, full of your grace and truth, so that I can work in your world and you can work in my life. And I can be that person. And that's the greatest person in the kingdom, meaning the most successful person in kingdom is the one that receives Christ in humility and lives for him with all they have. That's what Austin was telling us last week. So as I was thinking that, Jesus even said in Matthew 8, 14, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. But I think it's hard for us to really give in totally to Christ. And, and and that's what I'm going to ask now. Trying to think who's uh, up here. Gabe, you want to come up here? Yeah, you don't. You don't. Come on up here. I got to embarrass you. Come over here. I want you to do me something. Come over here. And I want you just to sit right there on my knee. Christ pulled the children in and said, hey, the greatest in the kingdom of God is the one that comes into me in humility and not ashamed to do this. Not ashamed to come into Christ's feet and operate in full grace, full truth. And this is what Christ was comparing us to. I believe in this scripture that Christ was saying that all the children of God or all the, the people that receive Christ are the children of God. But he said, we need to be like this. To be humble enough to get up in front of 300 people on national TV where millions of people are watching <laughs> and, and sit on your pastor's lap or knee and, and be embarrassed. That's what Christ said we need to be. Humble before the Lord. Amen. Would you like to go sit down? You sure? (laughs) Okay, okay. Give him a hand. (laughs) Jeremy, come here, my son. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Oh, no. Are you being reluctant this morning? Would you like to... Right here, bud. This is where I, easy. (laughs) Hey, some of us are hard on Jesus like this, believe me. We beat him up like that. Uh, I was basing the whole sermon on his reaction and I wasn't expecting this. (laughs) But we must be like little children willing to humble ourselves in front of the 300 people in church as adults. Yeah, get a picture and put it on Facebook. All your friends there, bud, just And humble in ourselves, humility. You want to preach soon? (laughs) I'm gonna go sit down. Okay. (laughs) Oh man, he was sweat, sweat. Yeah, give the Lord praise. Man, his back was hot. He was sweating, and he's gonna kill the pastor later on. But but it proves that point. That that are we willing to humble ourselves. Like that little child, and Gabe, you're not a little child, you're a man of God. But, but, but he humbled himself, and, but we need to be that way as adults. And that's what Jesus said, those that do that, those that do that are going to be greatest in the kingdom of God. Austin, those that do that are going to be greatest as they live out this life. Churches that do that are going to be able to minister into people because if, if you will, will will humble yourself before the Lord, he will speak to you. But we have to get past all those ideas and thoughts and darts and daggers. You can tell Miles that he won out because I was picking on him who so I was going to pick on. But... The scripture goes on to talk about, in verse 7, that temptation is going to come against the children of God. And, and the people of God will struggle with temptations. And we saw that, heard that a lot in Sunday school as we were talking about things that we struggled with and that by faith, being humble before God... coming into the prayer room, sitting on his knee, he brought us through. And they're talking about some, they didn't know how they did it, but, but they did it with God. But there's going to be temptations that, that will come upon the children of God, Matthew 18.7 says. What really bothers me as a pastor is 18.9. Is because I see this going on in the church world now, and, and the reason I complain so much about liberal churches and extreme right churches i want to be that church that's a full package is because i see people struggling and walking out of churches because they're not getting the complete package i think people's left oakton because they're not getting the complete package and you can say oh it's on them well maybe god sent them here for us to help them and we didn't use enough grace or maybe we didn't use enough truth but, but the Lord says that people are going to struggle with temptations. In verse 12, in verse 17, he says, some will even go astray. And then, or, or, excuse me, in 12 and in 17, some will even be lost. And that's what concerns me. I don't want anybody to struggle or to go astray or even be lost without the church being a part of, of helping them and, and to bringing them closer to Christ, to walking them through these temptations. Because there's going to be a day, again, Matthew 18, 7 says, Woe. Woe means there's a promise of judgment. When we're tempted, we're going to be judged by reaction how we respond to that temptation, to to that sin, if you will. And so Jesus was telling the disciples to to go to extremes in their own lives to avoid sin and temptation, but he's also telling them to go to extreme to protect each other and help each other work through these, these temptations because there is a judgment that will come Matthew 18 5 says these children are are valuable and precious to him Jesus said whoever receives one such child in my name receives me and so these people are value to God valuable to God and precious to God then they need to be valuable and precious to us And so what I'm saying is, is in Matthew 18, 15, and 16, the church must go after people that are struggling, that have gone astray and have have even become lost. And we're supposed to leave the 99 and go after the one. Christ is our example to help them through their temptations. And then when they come home, we rejoice because the Lord had moved upon our situation. So we can't be a welfare church only and an entertaining church. Man, you're in an entertaining church. There's going to be some point in time that you can't outdo the week before. Nor can we be a judgmental, holier-than-thou church that that casts the first stone and and condemns everybody. But we must be a full gospel-believing church that operates in the completeness of Christ's grace and truth. That we can have grace for people, but yet speak truth over their lives and help them grow in a relationship with Jesus. Man, some sins that I dealt with were, boom, gone. Never had a second thought to them. But there's some sins that take time, and they need the the grace and the truth to work through those times. There's some temptations that are here and gone, but, but there's some temptations that linger. And they need the grace and the truth of the church to come in around them and to minister into them and to be there when they fail but be there to encourage them and lift them up. No amens. Matthew 18.6 Jesus warns us about Spiritually destroying a child of God. He says, But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Jesus is saying in this verse that whoever spiritually destroys a child or a childlike believer will endure the greatest wrath of Christ. And so when I say a child, when Gabe is at the foot of Christ, when Jeremy, a child of God, is at the the foot of Christ, if my intent is to destroy Jeremy or to destroy Gabe, then I've got to pay to the Lord. I'm going to be held accountable. Parents, teachers, pastors, believers, all should pay attention to this scripture. James 3:1 says not many of you should become teachers my brothers for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. In Matthew 18:9 Jesus said they will be even be thrown into the hell of fire. Our responsibility as individuals as believers as parents as teachers, as pastors, children of God, our responsibility is to instruct the children of God in the ways of God, the complete package of God. Our responsibility is to protect children of God, meaning if they're Jeremy's age or my dad's age or or Gabe's age, our job is to protect the children of God from the ways of this world and satan and i put us some thoughts down friends or you know uh, that aren't good form or education or maybe even entertainment but life in the spirit said it like this such a worldly entertain such as worldly entertainment humanistic teaching immoral films pornographic literature drugs alcohol beverages wicked examples false teaching unrighteous campaigns. When we get involved in them things and people in our body get involved in them things, they're joining themselves with Satan. And we need to think about it that way that that when we see this going on in our lives or, or people's lives around us that we're joining ourselves with Satan, we need to instruct. We need to protect. We don't need to go in there and beat them up and knock them down but we need to go and instruct and protect. As I shared my mom earlier, she prayed for God, for grace and truth, but then she brought the grace in, but also brought the mixture of truth. And that's how she raised us boys. And that's how we need to work with each other here in the church. There needs to be grace, there needs to be truth as we build and instruct and protect each other into God's children. In Matthew 18.10, Jesus even goes on to warn against despising the children of God. And I think we all fall to this. I I struggle with this at times. But see that you do not despise one of these little ones. Despise means to look down on with disrespect or, or say one of God's children is worthless or to distaste or hate, dislike another child of God. Jesus warned us, don't despise. Don't despise each other. And it gets tough because when somebody doesn't agree with us 100%, and we're not solid in Christ, what do we usually do? We strike out. And again, guys, if... if if President Trump or Biden are in there for running for president, I'm going to vote for Trump. But it bugs me that President Trump strikes out at people in unchrist ways, tearing down people, disrespecting people because they don't agree with him. That isn't my hero. Jesus said to not despise someone, not to look down on with disrespect or to think they're worthless or detest them or hate them. Loosen it up a little bit. Something that I found out this last week, I didn't know. But do you know that Nikki Haley is a global Methodist? Her church was just like ours that voted out of the UNC to go to the GMC. Didn't know that. I thought that was kind of neat. And I'm not plugging her, by the way. Just a thought. I think Jesus is telling the disciples and telling us to, to elevate the value we place on Believers. For one reason, because they're valuable to God. And God places a value on all people. You know that that Matthew 8.10, a lot of people struggle with that scripture because it's talking about the angels in heaven, that their angel in heaven, that's where they get the scripture from and where they say that all of us have a guardian angel. But that's also saying... That a believer, a child of God, is so highly esteemed and valuable to God that he's reserved them a place in heaven already. So when somebody accepts Christ as their Lord and they got a lot to work on, like I did, they got a place in heaven and they're valuable to God. And because of that, we need to place value on them and not disrespect them, despise them, or spiritually try to destroy them. And don't run out of here today saying, oh, kids asking us to believe in half of that gospel. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying to believe and operate in the full gospel. And the grace that loved me and the grace that changed me to where I don't want to go and sin no more. I, I just don't want any part of it. So if the praise team would come forward today, I'm going to stop here. There's a lot more I could say to, to get into this. Maybe I'll pick it up next week. But a point I'm wanting to move into is, is that as a congregation... When our people are hurting and become distant, we need to pursue them in humility, love, regret, and self-examination until they return home. We'll talk about that maybe next week if the Lord leads us that way. But simply my heart's what Austin and several were speaking on last week that I want to value God as number one in my life but also want the full package in our church life. So salvation guys you want to be the greatest and you want to be the most awesome person and Jesus answered that person is the one that converts to him. In full humility. That's the greatest person in the world. As I thought today, some of you in here might be struggling. Thinking about quitting. Giving up on church and on Jesus. I don't want you to do that. I want to be able to minister in your life and... Most importantly, Jesus does because you're valuable. You're important to him and you're important to me and and to this body. Some may be that you got sin control in your life and, and you've been operating that grace, but it's time to get delivered of it. It's time to be set free. I want you to come up and, and pray. But maybe some of us need to look at our hearts. Are we judgmental or despising others? Maybe we're not operating in the full gospel and, and we're tearing people down. But I just want you to self-examinate today and and look at your life. And, and the key is, we all want to be the greatest. And Jesus said the greatest is the ones that will receive Him and humble themselves and, and come and sit on His knee. And that you're his children, the child of God. And that's what I, the, the call I want for this church, is that we all, myself included, would humble ourselves and walk in humility and set it on the knee of Christ and hear words from the Lord to not only build up our own lives, but our marriages, our families, and our church body. Amen? Stand to your feet today. Let's pray about that and work on that. But Father, come to you in Jesus' name. And, and Father, uh, sometimes I feel like I just throw a load at people. And Father, uh, there's just not enough time. And Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit ministers into this body and speaks about what you've put on my heart today. Father, I know that our spirits intercede with your spirit. And Father, you can clear this message up to where people understand what you have for them. And Father, minister into them today. Father, as your Holy Spirit calls us out today today, Father, I ask that we respond in obedience, that we respond first in humility, Lord, and just are open to hear your voice and then operate in obedience by obeying. But Father, we ask that you move across this church body. In Jesus' name, amen.